0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: What's going on, everybody? This is the Believe in Blazer podcast presented by Bet Online. I am your host, Stephen Vaughn. I'm with my co host, Tori Jones. Tori, Blazer's struggling, but we're back together again, so that makes me happy. How are you feeling, man?
0: <laughs> I'm happy to be with you, Stephen, talking about this struggling Blazer team, man. Five losses in a row. 2-8 in their last 10. Mm. I don't remember what October felt like. I remember it was fun, but that's about it, and now that seems like a year ago.
1: It seems so long ago that the Blazers were just dominating the teams in first place. Remember the Blazers was in first place in the Western Conference. Like, that was a thing. That was a real thing that the Blazers did. They were first place at the conference, uh, but now they are not. Now they are out of the play-in. Uh, they're so tied
0: with OKC, Steven. It's not okay.
1: No, I think I just saw that OKC won, so they're ahead. Or does that make them tied? Makes them tied. Does it make them tied? Yeah. I saw. I saw a tweet right as we were signing on here. Uh, but yeah, that's not good. That's not good, Tori. But you know what? If uh, if you, Tori, and the Blazers fans think that uh, Blazers is being undervalued, head over to Bet Online, right, Tori.
0: Yeah, head over to Bet Online because the NFL playoffs are here, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online, and as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head over to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use that promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts.
1: Speaking of the playoffs, I was going to wear my Jaguars jersey. I don't know if you know this about me. Yeah, you're a
0: Jaguars fan.
1: I mean, kind of, yeah. So like my friend, I'm a Jag-ish friend or a Jag-ish fan. I almost uh, almost, uh, almost messed that one up. But but yeah, no, my friend, he's a big Jags fan. And we had, uh, my wife and me, we had Sunday ticket back in the day like first couple years of Blake Bortles. And so of course they're never on national TV. So he'd always pop on over. We watch it and he would make us watch it with him. So it's like, I watched like three years straight of bad Jaguars football. And it's one of those things like kind of like how the Blazers are playing right now. Like you just hate it so much that you want to like fix them. And you're like, this team needs this and this and this and this. And like, that's how I felt with the Jags. And so now it's like, now that I don't have Sunday ticket, like I just still feel like, all right, I'm part of the Jags family now. So kind of part of the Jags family.
0: Yeah, I mean, are you confident going into that uh, game against... uh, Who are you guys? I don't even remember who you're playing. Chargers, man. Chargers, yeah. Yeah. I
1: I mean, did you not see Brandon Staley got Mike Williams hurt in the Week 18 game that had no effect on their standings? He's He's out there. (laughs) He's out there playing Justin Herbert the whole game, basically. Mike Williams gets hurt, like... He, he, that's one of the worst decisions i've ever seen so yeah I'm
0: especially not, for a team that's been injured all season they've been banged up like they needed a rest week why are more players getting injured
1: no doubt yeah our guest last week evan giddings he's a big Chargers fan like he was psyched about the Chargers getting the playoffs and he's saying like you know they get healthy it's like yeah they're not healthy now he's out there playing these guys for four quarters so uh no i think doug peterson super bowl winning coach i, th- I have a lot of confidence in that and uh It should be a good game, though, I will say. Out of all the weekend games, I'm probably most excited about that. Like, I think that could be the most entertaining game, I'll be honest.
0: Yeah, meanwhile, I'm over here as a Niners fan going up against the Seahawks tomorrow, and I truly think the Niners have the best roster in the league. Um, Just, like, top to bottom, best left tackle, one of the best, if not the best, running back. Debo Samuel, the most versatile wide receiver. George Kittle blocking and receiving tight end yards after the catch. Um, best defensive player maybe this year, Nick Bosa, Fred Warder, Hufanga's maybe the next Troy Polamalu at that safety position. Yeah, I love our roster. So it's like I'm super confident with us going up against the Seahawks tomorrow. But also it's like one of those things, Stephen, where A, being in the Northwest, there's a ton of Seahawks fans around me. So they can't lose because I won't hear the end of it. B, it's like, our divisional rival. So it's like one of those games where we should definitely win by multiple touchdowns, but I'm still nervous because it would be maybe the worst playoff loss ever. If the Niners don't win tomorrow uh, or later today when this podcast is being uploaded. So I am, I'm kind of, I'm nervous, man. Should I be nervous?
1: No, I don't think you should be nervous about a loss. Like, if you're using bet online and you're betting on the Seahawks plus nine and a half, I think that's probably the right play. If you're betting the under, I think that's really the right play. Because, uh, you know, we uh, on 750, the game we had a, we had a guest on from the Bay Area and the weather is supposed to be terrible. The weather is supposed to be terrible uh, in that game. So, you know, I think that favors the Niners just going to run the football, not have to put it in Brock Purdy's hand. So I think you should feel OK.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I trust I trust Brock. Pur- I can't. Pudding, I tr- Brock, pudding. Brock Pudding? Yeah, I trust Brock Purdy more than I trust Jimmy G. I know he's a rookie Ooh. man, but I've never been a Jimmy G fan. Um I don't know. I just haven't seen Brock Purdy make any like plays. He's thrown a couple picks, but he hasn't made one of those plays where it's like, what in the world were you seeing? Are you okay mentally? What was that? Why'd you throw it right to the linebacker? Jimmy G always had plays like those where it's just like, dude, why are you, what it's not even close? You don't see the linebacker right in front of the the crossing route. Like, uh, yeah, I never liked Jimmy G. So I'm confident in our QB situation, man. It's going to be fun to see it play out. Rookie with most
1: potential, Brock Purdy or Shaden Sharp? That's how we're going to rotate into the Blazer talk.
0: Ooh, Brock uh, Brock Purdy? Because I already know that he's good.
1: You don't know know Shaden Sharp's not good yet? I he's not he's good. good yet. He's he's a
0: good. He's good for a 19 year old who didn't play in college, but at the NBA level, like he's not a good player yet. He can have good moments, but he's not consistent enough to be considered a good NBA player yet.
1: Well, that makes sense. the be- The bench is pretty terrible, and uh, let's start there, Tori, with the bench. Let's start negative here. Uh, the bench is awful. We've been trying to think of ways to fix it, but you know what? We're gonna play a game, and this game is called bench trade start the I mean, option
0: start bench trade you like That's, start bench trade i like that order start bench, bench trade. trade sbt yes. all right we're going to go mm-hmm.
1: sbt here uh you know what there's really only one guy though that we need to talk about about sbt and it's pretty obvious it's josh hart uh josh hart lately uh going back to the last game against the cavs one of five shooting 0 for 1 on that three and that three he shot was airmailed over the rim uh, from the corner, I would draw, that shot drove me insane. We've documented the non-shooting this year. Uh, I want to ask you this question real quick about Josh Hart. How many times, or uh, I take it back. What is the most amount of threes he has taken in a game this year? Most attempts. Four. Four. He's done it one time this year. He took four three-pointers. That's the highest he's taken all year. Um, uh,
0: did you see last year in his 13 games in a Blazer uniform, he
1: averaged like
0: six and a half threes per game.
1: That's what I was going to go with. He averaged making two and a half threes a game with the Blazers last year in 13 games. He has shot four three-pointers one time this year, Tori. So it's obviously mental with Josh Hart right now. But Josh Hart, um, struggling this year, shooting the basketball, of course, but he's doing other things. Tori. I just have a simple question for you. Josh Hart, do you want to start him? Do you want to bench him? Or do you want to trade him?
0: Uh, bench him. Uh, for a couple different reasons. A, in a bench role, his skill set is, is good, I think. He's not relied on to be a guy who scores a lot. Um, But he can play that point guard role, um, you know, can play off the ball if he's more confident shooting threes. Like, I just think his game is made to be that Swiss Army knife off the bench, you know, a better version of what Evan Turner was for this team. Um, The problem is with him starting right now is, and you saw this late in the game against the Cavs, defenses are starting to realize that he's scared to shoot. And you've played, Steven. Steven. You can always tell when somebody on offense. Yeah, look at that beautiful jersey hanging up there. You should Concordia. hang that in the. Yeah, why isn't that in the rafters of like your attic or something? Uh, it should
1: be in the garage.
0: <laughs> you need to have a whole ceremony and, and film it. We could throw it on the podcast. Yeah. Good content, yeah. New great content. Um, but you, I could always tell when I played when somebody was scared to shoot. Like, you can almost see it in their eyes. And you can see it, like, when guys catch the ball at the three-point line, you can tell by basically their body language whether they're scared to shoot or not. Because if somebody's confident as a shooter and they're catching the ball and they got some space, they're squaring up right away and, like, looking to go straight up for it. Now, if you run out of them, they might not shoot it, but, like, they're looking to square up right away and shoot. Josh Hart catches the ball and, like, stands around, like, looks around and doesn't even look at the rim, Stephen. And it became a situation where... There was a couple of plays where you can't just run pick-and-roll late in the game against a, a good Cavs team because, A, they're good defensively, so they can trap. And they got the type of personnel to trap Dame off those pick-and-rolls. Normally, the roll man would be open, but Josh Hart's guy was leaving him to guard the roll man. So the only open option when Dame was getting trapped was Josh Hart at the three-point line. Josh Hart catches the ball and just stands there and doesn't look to shoot and he did have one three-point shot late in that game from the corner and he airballed it. He's shooting 35% on the season, so it's not even like he's not shooting a decent percentage. He's just absolutely scared to shoot. It's mental, but there's been a couple threes this year. Probably his two most impressive threes were with like a second on the clock. One was that game winner against Miami with a second on the clock. One was a shot clock buzzer beater a few games ago that he had. I forget when it was, but um, it was like one on the shot clock. He caught it and turned and it was contested and he nailed it and he had good rhythm to it. But when you played... Wasn't it always less pressure when you had, like, one second on the clock um, when it was like you had to shoot it? So there wasn't even the thought in the back of your head, like, maybe I shouldn't shoot this or maybe I should do something else where it's just like, okay, well, you caught the ball. You got to shoot it, so you just let it fly.
1: Yeah, it's because, like, Josh Hart, if he's just not confident, he's just overthinking it, right? And I think basketball is one of these games where if you overthink things when you're playing, like... You can tell, and that's when you start making mistakes, right? And he's so hesitant right now. It's going through his brain, like, should I shoot this? I don't want to shoot this. Okay, I'm going to shoot this. And then it's way off. The funny thing is, you mentioned it. He's shooting 34.7% on the three this year. That's his career number. Like, it's not like he's shooting below it. It's exactly the same as his career. Um, The percentage-wise, he's just not shooting the basketball. Now, I don't know if he, he maybe he's doing it for a reason, though, Tori. Because have you thought about this? Uh, career high in field goal percentage, he's shooting 51% on the year. Like, he's really trying to limit the number of shots and get that field goal percentage up. Maybe that's his game. Maybe that's his plan going into the year, trying to have a really high percentage, get a lot of rebounds, um, as that guard forward type player when you're going to get that contract. But right now, I don't think that's necessarily helping the Blazers. I think the Blazers need a guy that can spread the court out a little bit more because. As you said, smart teams and good teams will play that, and they will let him shoot the basketball, and they will sag off, and then it's four—it's four on five for the Blazers, uh, especially when Dame's trying to make plays. And Dame's so good, you know, he can still go for fifty. But like, when you have a good team like Cleveland, and that's what I tweeted out the other day. Like, Cleveland is a good team, and when you're an average team and you have average players that aren't making good plays, like good teams are going to beat them, and that's exactly what happened. The Cavs played well for about eight to ten minutes in the fourth quarter, and it was enough to win the game. I'm with you. I it, For me, the answer, answer is either bench or trade. I'm, I'm down to trade Josh Hart. I like Josh Hart. I think he's a really good player. But right now, the way he's playing, the way he's being so hesitant shooting the basketball, it's just something the Blazers can't have. And when the Blazers score nine points and seven points off the bench the last two games, you can't have a guy who is one for five and afraid to shoot the three. Like, you have to have your starters shoot even more and be more aggressive. So, for me, it's either trade him or bench him. I think I – don't. i I'm not saying that I want to lean to trade him, but I think that might be the way to go because his contract is up at the end of the season. Uh, he'll be looking for a new contract. I think if you're going to pay Jeremy Grant, which I would assume the Blazers are going to try to uh, – Pay Jimmy Grant. You don't want to pay both Jimmy Grant and Josh Hart. That type of money to be locked into those two guys. So I think, I think a trade actually is the best option.
0: How much do you think Josh Hart's going to make next year? Because that's a big conversation point in regards to if he's looking for a new contract. Because he does have a player option for like twelve million ish next offseason. At this point, he might be playing himself outside of a raise. And if he's not worth more than that on the free agent market, he probably just accepts his player option and comes back and bets on himself. Do you think he makes more than that?
1: even if he makes twelve million, he'll be able to get three more years out of it.
0: But do you think okay, so is that what you think he can still make given some of his shooting struggles this year?
1: Yeah, because I think especially to have a good team, I think he could be a good player on a good team, right? I think he can make you know twelve to fifteen million dollars. Yeah. But, but that but would like, be
0: but here's the here's the thing. That would have to be a team with cap space, right? Because the mid-level exception is like $10 million. I don't think he makes more than the mid-level exception. I think he gets the mid-level exception from a team, but most good teams are going to be capped out. So it's going to be hard for him to make above that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good point. And, you know, it's one of those things where who knows what he's going to make, right? It's tough to say. I I think, like I said, I think he would make more. But you might be right. Maybe you would take that player option and come back to Portland. I, I just never really assumed that. I just assumed he would, he'd be gone. But because if because if he doesn't take it, if he declines that option, and you're Portland, like, you can't, like, and you're trying to give Josh Hart a new contract, I think it's going to be hard to give him a contract that he wants if you're going to give Jeremy Grant his contract too.
0: Yeah, I mean, at some point you got to pay more than, you know, the top four guys on the team. you got to have some depth to the team, and that's obviously been a problem. And at some point you're going to have to pay for that depth. So, you know, that's at some point Jody Allen's gonna have to pay the tax, or she's going to have to sell the team, or the Blazers are going to have to rebuild. Like it's it's you can't be the team that everybody wants this Blazer team to be without paying more than your starters. You gotta have those guys coming off the bench. So um you know, that's why I'm okay with him still being on this team and paying Jeremy Grant. Um, because at some point you're going to have to pay for that depth if you're trying to win. you know. It just becomes a situation where how much tax is Jody Allen willing to pay? Is it zero? Is it $10 million? Is it $20 million? Like That's going to be the, the question mark in regards to that because either way the Blazers are going to be over the cap and it doesn't really matter how much you're over. Except to the owner's pockets, So, I would bench Josh Hart because I think if you gave him a bench role, there would be a little less pressure on him. Um, You know, he's not ending games because he seems to be um, putting too much pressure on himself at the end of games. And we know he's a really competitive guy who really wants to win. Like, that's why I love Josh Hart as a competitor. Um, that's like the type of guy this team needed last year. It's just unfortunate with his shooting struggles, but you put him in a bench role where he's not playing next to Dame, next to Anthony Simons, next to Jeremy Grant, and maybe he has a little bit more confidence because it's not a situation where he's second-guessing himself because he's like the fifth option on the court and he has, you know, other talented players around him. If you put him with a bench lineup where maybe he's playing next to Anthony Simons, which He did at times last year with a lot of success, right? Uh, And Anthony Simons gets staggered with the bench, but he's basically the second option with the bench unit. Then I feel like you might be able to get more out of him offensively as a scorer, and he will have a little bit more responsibility handling the ball. I think that's a better fit for him because right now I think if you trade him, you're trading, you're you're selling low on him. I don't think his value is. Um, as high as when we traded for him. He was having a better season last year for the Pelicans up to the point that he got traded than he's had this year. So I'm never a fan of selling low on a guy. I'm always a fan of just trying to figure out why they're struggling and trying to fix that problem, maybe change it. And that's the change I would make, bring him off the bench. Another reason why I like him off the bench is because he pushes the pace. And I think this bench lineup needs to play at a fast tempo. Shaden Sharp, Gary Payton II, Nasir Little, uh, guys like that I think will be better in an up-tempo offense. And I think Josh Hart can help that bench unit play a faster brand of basketball and um, you know, get, get that ball up the court, rebound and go, that sort of thing. So that's why I would like him on the bench unit.
1: Yeah, no, it's all good points. I think Josh Hart does have some value because he does have that player option. So if he does decline that option, uh, team can get out of that money. So I think there is always going to be um, a market out there for him. That, that, but that is the question. Like, if you are to trade Josh Hart, are you looking to do you know basically a one for one swap, or are you looking to get like try to get a couple players back in return because this bench needs more than one player on it. Um, Do you think that would be the option? Or like, what what do you think the Blazers would look for if they're trying to trade a guy like Josh Hart?
0: I think they'd be looking for a first-round pick because this is a buyer's market this year. There's a lot more buyers than sellers, so uh, every quality player that gets traded will probably have their value inflated. Just do It's a supply and demand thing. Um, there's not enough supply of quality players on the trade market, and there's a lot of teams that want to upgrade. That's part of the parity that goes into this year. Uh,
1: so, do you, do you think they could get a first-round pick and that, a young player?
0: A young player might be a little bit too much. The bare minimum would be a first round pick and probably a similar contract for a lesser player. But it would, l- I feel like it would likely be a three team deal where Portland trades Josh Hart to, I don't know, for example, Brooklyn, right? And Brooklyn, they got Patty Mills and they could trade like Patty Mills at a minimum. Patty Mills hasn't been that great this year. They can always go on the buyout market, find a backup point guard, or Josh Hart could be the backup point guard. I don't know. They could figure things out there, but. Um, Brooklyn, uh, of course is one of the top teams in the East. So you're looking at a late first round pick from them. And then maybe you can get back. I don't know, like a cam Thomas could be that young player, but I don't think the blazers would have any interest in a cam Thomas. I think they would take that first round pick and they would either flip it to a third team for a, a different player. Um, you know, maybe they need a score off the bench. So they look at Alec Burks from Detroit or something like that. Or here's what you could do. Steven Portland. We all know they, Oh, they're 2023 first to Chicago, and that's lottery protected through multiple years. If you're able to get a first round pick from another team for Josh Hart, maybe you could attach a second or two to that, send it to Chicago, basically swap out the first you get for Josh Hart for Portland's first back from Chicago, and just incentivize them with a couple second round picks to do it, and then all of a sudden you have all your future firsts. And then you go and try and make a play or make something else happen. That's a possibility.
1: I always look at it like um, I always go back to the Aaron Gordon trade when he got traded to the Nuggets. The Nuggets uh, gave up R.J. Hampton, Gary Harris, and a first. Like, is that the type of value you think they can get for Josh Hart? Like, a, a, a young player that you know, has proven literally nothing that you can throw, basically Keon Johnson type of player, how the Blazers got him, you know, a veteran and a first-round pick, do you think they can get that for Josh Hart?
0: Uh, I think that's asking for a little bit too much because I think Aaron Gordon has, um, more had more of a reputation than Josh Hart had at this point. And Denver was trading for Aaron Gordon to be a starter. I don't know that most teams are going to trade for Josh Hart to be a starter for them. I think most of them would view him as a sixth man type of guy. Um, but then also that's the thing with Keon Johnson, if you're going to throw him into trades, is, um, he's going to have different value to different teams. Like R.J. Hampton, when he got traded to Orlando, Orlando really liked him in the draft but weren't able to select him. So they were already high on him. So that's the thing with Keon Johnson is, was there teams that were high on him a year and a half ago when he got drafted that are still high on him and still want him because he's going to have a lot more value to those teams than a team that wasn't because he hasn't done anything in his career. So, um, that's the thing with Keon Johnson, it's hard to say if he has value or not as that young guy, but um could throw him in a salary, of course, and and uh yeah, I just don't I wouldn't expect that much back. I think the goal would be a first round pick if you were to trade Josh Hart. But that's the thing, is like the Blazers aren't going for, for a rebuild right now.
1: No, if they're, going, they're going for the playoffs. That's the thing. Yeah. And, and that's why I think that's why I brought that up, because at least like they got a Gary Harris type of player, a veteran that they could throw into the bench as well. But um, with that said, you said you said bench him. I said tr- bench or trade. I lean trade. I just don't think he necessarily is going to fit here long term. But if you're to bench him, I'm assuming GP2 would be the guy that you put in the starting lineup um, for him. And then Josh Hart comes off the bench.
0: I mean, I would try and trade for for the starting three. That's what I would do, but if i if you couldn't, then at this point, you have to explore g p two uh he is a better obviously a better who would, you then, who would
1: you be looking to trade to get that starting three if you're benching Josh Hart?
0: It doesn't even have to be somebody that's better than Josh Hart it just has to be somebody that is more willing to shoot threes and can knock down some threes so they can space the floor to make things easier on the other four starters and it has but who, to who do you be, think
1: Port who do you think portland would have to trade to get that guy
0: um you're looking at, like, Kenrick Williams is one of my favorite targets from OKC. He's making $2 million this year, so you could hypothetically trade Keon. You know, OKC's in a rebuild mode. Maybe they'd value Keon Johnson they as don't a they rebuilding like, piece. They like
1: Kenrick Williams, do they? They do
0: like Kenrick Williams, but they have a lot of forwards. So, at some point, I think they're going to have to move off because Jalen Williams, um, the the first one they drafted, because they drafted two of them yeah. last year. Jalen Williams has he's been phenomenal. Dude. He's he's, he's good. Um, you got Lou Dort, Josh Giddy, SGA, um, all as, like, guards slash wing type of players. You do have a lot of depth there, and Kendrick Williams is older and doesn't really fit their timeline. Like... I don't know how much it'd take to get him. It might not be doable. They might just elect to keep him, but that would be the guy that I would go after and Keon Johnson in two seconds if possible because Kendrick Williams makes $2 million. If Jody Allen wants to stay out of the luxury tax and the Blazers are right up against that, Keon Johnson makes $2.6 million. Kenrick Williams makes $2 million. You to stay out of the tax. Kenrick Williams is shooting above 40% from three this year. And when Portland played OKC, Kenrick Williams, I was really impressed with how he defended Damian Lillard. And he's like 6'6". He can defend three positions. I think he could be that starting three that can knock down some threes and then play some solid on-ball defense. I don't think he's necessarily a better player than Josh Hart, but he'd be a better fit in the starting lineup and he'd allow you to move Josh Hart to the bench.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think Kendrick Williams is a solid NBA player. I, I just don't know that OKC would want to trade him uh, just based off that value. And I know that they're loaded that position, but let's just look around the league. Like even with Portland, Portland is lacking those guys. There's there's just not that many of those guys in the NBA that can play on the wing and can be an effective defender and an effective three-point shooter. So when you find those guys, you got to hang on to them. So I, I just don't know if OKC wants to trade him, And that's the problem, I think, Tori. like – if you're going to try to trade for that starting three, I, I think it's really going to be tough because any wing that can play, like teams don't want to trade that guy. So it's going to be tough, but I agree with you. Something's got to be done because the bench unit and the starting unit is so different. And like the starting unit is so much better than the bench unit right now with Portland. You got to switch it up. Um, I mean, when you're scoring nine points and seven points back to back games off the bench and uh, last game against the. Um, Who they just lose to. They just lost to the Cavs. When they played the Cavs, they shot uh nine times. They had nine shots off the bench. They scored nine points, nine shots. Like that's just not it's just not good. Like you need to have more of a threat off the bench. So I do agree, Josh Hart uh maybe opened up a little bit for him. I think maybe it gets I don't know if it gets him more confidence, but uh at least you can tell him just be more aggressive.
0: Yeah. Um and then a more obvious name would be OG Ananobi, but in order to get that done without trading Josh Hart, or probably just to get that done in general, you'd have to trade Shaden Sharp. So is there a scenario where you'd consider that? Obviously, you'd probably have to include maybe a future first or other assets on top of that just to match his salary, but would you consider giving up Shaden Sharp for OG Ananobi?
1: I mean, OG is one of the best wings in the league, right? Like defensively... He can do a lot of things, and I do think he would fit Portland really well. I just... I'm not... I don't think that I would. I don't think that I would yet, and maybe I'm still a little too high on Shaden Sharp, but I really think that Shaden Sharp is the guy, like, if Portland ever is to make that jump, is because he turns into an all-star caliber player. And that's that's kind of the the ceiling on him, I really think, where, oh, gee, really good player, um, and he's going to help a lot. I just... I feel like if you add OG to this roster, like this team's still not going to be, you know, a championship contender, right? I still think the bench of season needs some work. I still don't think that they would be up there, so I, I wouldn't want to make that trade quite yet. But um, you know, maybe it's that's just tough Shane there. Sharp. It's tough though.
0: Yeah, it's tough because you know the Cyril Little Justice Winslow Shane Sharp package. Um, you get that start in three that fits perfect, but then also you make the best bench better because Josh Hart gets moved to the bench. Josh Hart and GP two is a solid start to a good bench. I think you need a uh, a good forward or center um, as your eighth guy there. Uh, you know, so like if you could somehow find a way to get Nasreed from Minnesota or just a player like that, just somebody solid that can do multiple things, play some solid defense, shoot, um, then you'd be looking at a a good bench too. Because in the playoffs, generally it goes down to eight guys, so. Uh, I, I don't know. One day I'll be like, oh, I would probably do it. And one day it's like, no, I wouldn't trade Shaden Sharp for OG and Obi straight up. It's a tough, tough uh, debate because you're basically weighing the future versus the present. And unfortunately, I think the Blazers might have to make that choice at some point because I don't think they're good enough right now to both play the long game and try and contend at the same time. I think you're going to have to choose one path or the other.
1: Yeah, that's where I, that's where my problem is. Is like, I look at it as like, if the Blazers trade for OG and Anobi now, when they're on this five game losing streak, like I can't picture the Blazers all of a sudden making turnaround. So it's like, why would I want to trade Shane Sharp, who potentially could be really good, right? But then at the same time, once Portland wins the next five games, I'm like, you know, maybe I do want OG on this team to add. him. So I'm with you. It's one of those things where I don't want to give up on Shane Sharp quite yet. I mean, he's still 19. He's still got a lot of potential. Uh, he has been struggling a lot. And I think that's the problem right now. Like, you need to – I feel like you still need to try to play him as much as you can, but he's not helping the team at all. So, uh, it's just tough, man. But, um, yeah, Shane for OG, I'm not ready to pull that trigger yet. But they're, they they got to do something because right now this five-game losing streak, Dame, he's averaging 32 points per game in these last five games, and they've lost all five. Like, it, it, it's just the same old thing where Dame has to carry this team to victory – and he's just not getting the you know enough help when they need him to. And it it's just it's something's gotta change, whether it's in the starting lineup um or it's the bench.
0: Yeah, it's just frustrating too, because how many of these five games did they have a lead in the final five minutes?
1: That's very true. Um that's what it was my second topic I want to talk about, Tori. Um so the Blazers, they are second to last in uh points per fourth quarter in the NBA. They score the second least amount of points in the fourth quarter, they're 20th in point differential in the fourth quarter. Who's more to blame for the fourth quarter woes? Is it Chauncey Billups, or is it the roster construction?
0: I think both share some blame. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this before I answer.
1: Okay, I'll answer. Yeah, the answer is definitely both. um, But I blame the roster more than I blame Chauncey. And my reasoning on that is... Damian Lillard has been so good that when he gets going, I feel like the guys fall in line and they let Dame do his thing, right? Which is great because Dame can go off and he can score all these points. But then when teams really buckle down and they get after Dame, then he's looking for his teammates to help him out and they're just not ready for it. It's just the same thing in the Denver series when CJ McCollum, you know, steps out of bounds, guys are missing dunks. Like, it's hard to stand around and be, do not much and then get the ball and try to do something. It's just really hard. And I need the roster to just be more ready for that. But at the same time, that also goes to Chauncey. Like, Chauncey needs to get everyone involved. But I still think, like, I'm not blaming Dame because Dame's so good and he's the reason they're getting back in games. But I do think that Dame has to take it a little bit on himself to get the other guys involved. Uh, but I don't think he necessarily trusts them. And I think that showed in that game against Orlando when Jeremy Grant airballs the three, he gets it back and he doesn't even look to shoot again, right? He was wide open. He could have passed to Dame. He could have shot it. I mean, I was bad He didn't shoot the ball. Like you're supposed to be this good shooter. He didn't take a shot. He was looking around like Dame does. It doesn't seem like Dame trusts his guys right now, especially after that. So I think you got to find guys that Dame trusts more in these big spots to help him out. So I think right now it's more roster for me, and it's also the fact that Chauncey has to play these guys 35 to 40 minutes. Yeah. Just, he just doesn't have the choice to play Shaden Sharp or Keon Johnson or whoever he wants to off the bench. You know, um, Jabari Walker, like he, he he doesn't want to play those guys in the fourth quarter in crunch time. And I don't blame him. Like he he shouldn't have to play those guys, but that's the options he has. And so I do think that the roster needs to be fixed before I can fully blame uh, Chauncey Billups in that one.
0: Yeah, like there's, I think there's a ton that goes into this. Um, I think Chauncey could have done a better job handling minutes uh, earlier in the season, not playing these guys 40, 41, 42 minutes so much, especially in games that they lose. But at the same time, it's like Chauncey's trying to win games. And the more games you lose, the more desperate you get just to pick up a win and you keep playing these guys 40 minutes and you're still losing. And it's compounding itself into an issue where at the end of games, I just don't think these guys have the legs that they need to knock down shots. It seems Jeremy Grant is three for his last 25 from three. He's in a slump since that Detroit game. Uh, Josh Hart scared to shoot. Like we saw Josh Hart and Jeremy Grant both sell (laughs) from the three point line down the stretch. Yesterday against Cleveland, Jeremy Grant got two wide-open threes on one possession. Wide-open three, missed it. Offensive rebound, kick back out. Another wide-open three, missed them both. Um, Josh Hart airballed that three from the corner. Nurkic um, got a three at a shot clock buzzer that he airballed. But before that, Josh Hart had an open shot and passed it up so that Nurk had to rush a shot from the corner at the buzzer because Josh Hart didn't want to shoot it.
1: Nurk also had the one where he passed it up and he got the shot clock violation because he didn't want to shoot it because he'd been struggling.
0: Yeah, like, that's the thing is when that type of stuff happens, you can't really blame Chauncey, in my opinion, and I like think... Like,
1: Nurk, just for context, last six games, Nurk, he's shooting 12% from three.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I assumed he was going to go into a shooting slump at some point. We still don't know how good of a shooter Nurk is on a large sample size, he shot well enough this year to justify finding that out. Um, but, I mean, Jeremy Grant hasn't been hitting threes. Josh Hart is scared to shoot threes. And, uh, yeah, you just got you got multiple problems with this roster. And then you don't got nobody on the bench you can trust to sub in uh, late in the game uh, that... You can trust offensively. So, you got three, maybe four players on this roster that you can rely on to give you something offensively. Everyone else, Josh Hart, Shaden Sharp, Drew bangs Jabari Walker, even if you had Nasir Little and Justice Winslow back, I don't think you can trust any of those guys to consistently give you anything on the offensive end. So, in the end, it becomes a situation where those guys got to carry you. Simons has been okay lately. Um, Dame has busted out of his slump, but that's the thing is, is there was a stretch there where Grant, Simons, and Lillard were all struggling from the field and, uh, it was resulting in some problems. But I think at the end of games, we're seeing, uh, defense ratchets up at the end of games and they will play you a little bit more physically. It's like closer to playoff basketball and... I think Chauncey's whole thing with this team this season has been trying to teach them how to play outside of a set play. Because in the playoffs, you have to be able to do that. In the playoffs, defenders are allowed to be more physical. Uh, refs don't call as much and uh, it's easier to defend one-on-one and defend pick and rolls when you're allowed to be more physical with ball handlers. And I think we've seen Dame struggle in playoff series before because of that reason, because the Blazers have always been an ISO heavy team, a pick and roll heavy team. It works in the regular season. You get into the playoffs. It's nowhere near as effective. You got to be able to move the ball, make reads, make the right play, make the right cut. I think Chauncey has been trying to teach him that, but When you do that outside of a set play, it puts the onus on the players to do those things. So if they're not doing those things, it becomes a bunch of guys standing around watching Dame try and create something out of nothing. And when he went through that slump until late they were screwed because Dame wasn't shooting the ball well. Dame was struggling and they had nothing else going. They weren't making cuts when they were there. They weren't moving the ball. They weren't setting off ball screens. They were just standing around and watching. So a lot of people blame Chauncey for that. Like, oh, Chauncey, what are you doing? This offense is so stagnant. Call something. But I think Chauncey is putting the onus on his players to learn how to play out of freelance situations outside of a set play to just make the right read, make the right cut, make the right play. And they haven't been doing that enough.
1: Do you blame Damian Lillard for that? Because he kind of had that with Terry Stotts where he had a lot of freedom. Uh he was getting the basketball and they, you know, let him shoot a lot. Do you think it's hard for him to break out of that and maybe trust his teammates a little bit?
0: I think that's possible, but I don't blame Dame for that. I actually believe it or not, blame Terry Stotts for that. <laughs> um Dame was well, that's never not taught surprising. how Yeah, Dame was Dame was never taught how to play that style of basketball or at least not since Aldridge left it's been okay we're going to give Dame and CJ the ball and they're just going to make something happen even our sets were designed around getting Dame or CJ the ball the three-point line and them just creating something so um you, n- you never had a you know cutters and off-ball action for Dame um or you didn't have enough of it and I don't know, man. I, sometimes I wonder, because Dame's been sloppy this year, like, is there reads that he struggles with that he just never had to make because of the way the system was designed?
1: Well, we you, you talked about it last year. Like, the Blazers, they didn't have too many games under Chauncey Billups like that they actually had to play and try because they were tanking for so long last season. So I think, there's, I think you're right. Like, they're still getting used to the whole system. And I don't want to make that as an excuse, but I do think they're still getting used to it. Um, and I do think overall, like... For more to blame, it's obviously both, but I do, like I said, I think it's more the roster. And the another reason why I think is the roster, Tori, is in the NBA especially, not necessarily the NFL or Major League Baseball or any other sports, but in the NBA, I think talent overrules all. And coaching is definitely important. It's, de- it's not not important, but I think that talent is more important. And so I do put more of the blame on the players on the roster than I would on the coach. The coach can only tell the players so much, and even on small levels, like, players don't listen to coaches. So I don't think that the players necessarily will always listen to the coach in the NBA. So it's just one of those things, man, where it's just a problem because of both. I think both are getting – or Chauncey's showing his inexperience also as a head coach. Like, sometimes he seems a little in over his head, doesn't necessarily know when to challenge, doesn't know when to – uh, you know actually draw up a player when the blazers need him to draw something up he just lets him go. I like the fact that he is letting the players figure it out, but I also sometimes I want him to ring it back and I want him to take control of the team once again and put him in a good spot to get a get a bucket when they need it. So it's definitely both. Um, I'm just more on this roster is just very average in general. Like I think you know before the season I had the Blazers as the 10th seed in the Western Conference. And right now they're right at tens the 10th 10 seed. And I think that they should be a little bit higher, just based off how they played. I was probably off, but I don't think I'm that far off. Like, they're the nine or the eight seed roster wise. Like, if you're talking roster, Tory, would you rank this Trailblazer roster in the top six in the Western Conference? Right, like top to bottom, just roster, no coaching, no nothing. Is this roster a top six roster in the Western Conference?
0: Um, because I don't think they are
1: healthy. Yeah, one hundred percent healthy. Healthy, I still think they
0: can be because the. They're, but are they, here, here, here's, yeah, here's, they here's how be. I'd look at it. I mean, I I don't know, I'd have to go through every team, but I could see myself still putting them in the top six. Here's why. Defensively, that was the question mark going into the season, right? Going into the prior game, I don't know what it is after, but going into the last game, they were ranked 16th defensively. The problem is they were ranked 14th offensively. Net rating, they were ranked 15th. They are the definition of average. Now, an average team should hypothetically be 500 and like the seventh or the eighth seed in a conference, not 10th, but the Blazers keep dropping a ton of close games that they're in. Okay. Um, but, I mean, yeah, they're 10th, but they missed Damian Lillard for a long stretch. They've had some injury woes, so have other teams, but the Blazers have definitely been snake bitten by that. And then all these late game, terrible offensive fourth quarter performances are so unexpected. And the roster wouldn't suggest that, right? The biggest reason is because of all the turnovers, which you got Dame and Josh Hart, who can handle and pass the ball and shouldn't be somebody that's turnover prone. Jeremy Grant, who's I mean, we were we in the past we had Robert Covington who couldn't dribble, couldn't drive, couldn't finish, couldn't dunk, like, couldn't do anything, right? You got Jeremy Grant now, he's skilled and can do all those things. Like, we didn't expect this team to struggle with turnovers. So, I don't think roster-wise it's a roster that should be turnover-prone, but that is the biggest thing causing this team to struggle, especially with fourth-quarter offense, and that's what's losing them games right now. So, that's where I think you can't just base a team off their record. It's like, how are they losing these games? We expected this team to be, what, fifth, between fifth and tenth offensively? If they were between 5th and 10th offensively, they would probably be the 6th seed right now or the 5th seed in the West. So that's why I still think you could put them in the, in that conversation.
1: Yeah, I think they're in the conversation. Um, I just, I don't think that they're there. I think they would be ranked a little bit lower. And I think this is kind of who the Blazers are. You know, as, as you said, they're pretty much an average team. So they're going to lose to good teams. They're going to beat good teams. They're going to lose to bad teams. They're going to beat bad teams. So it's just never going to be a consistent effort. I just, you know, there's just a lot of problems right now with this team, and I'm just I'm just not ready to blame Chauncey Billups 100% yet. Like, I, I understand that he has made some mistakes, and he's done a bad job, certainly, in certain spots, but he's also done some good things that are different than Terry Stotts. It is foolish for people to say they want Terry Stotts back. I've seen that on Twitter a lot, like, bring back Terry Stotts. It's like, no, let's not bring back Terry Stotts. That didn't work out. It wasn't going to work out. It stopped working. You had to do something new. But, yeah, it's just um, – I think Chauncey has a lot to prove in these next, you know, couple months, especially, you know, leading up to the trade deadline of what are the Blazers going to do? Are they going to go for it? Are they going to tank? I believe they're like nine games back from the worst record in the league, maybe 10 games, but they're also like two games back from sixth place or something like that. Like it's something crazy. Like it could go either way in these next couple months. Um, right up to what they have to decide if they want to be buyers or sellers. So uh, yeah, and this Blazers team, the schedule. You know, we thought this was going to be a little bit easier because they're at home, but it doesn't seem like they're a great home team so far. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not super confident coming up with all these home games, but we'll see, man. How how are you feeling about the upcoming schedule with uh, most of these games at home for you know basically the next month? You know, you go from January 14th all the way to uh, February 14th. Like, there's only four road games in that whole entire month of games. There's four road games. The rest are home. Do you think the Blazers are going to start gaining some gains um, in the standings because they're at home?
0: Um, It's hard to say because I think this team just needs to win a close game. And Dame talked about it in his press conference. Like, they've lost so many games late that they're almost putting more pressure on themselves late in these games to pull one out. And this team looks like they are – ...putting themselves under a lot of pressure late in games. So I think psychologically for this team, they just need to win a close game. Beating Cleveland late would have been huge for this team. That's a good team. Dame has a big game. I f- I think they just need that momentum-building win or two, and then they can go out and run. I just don't know if that's going to happen or when that's going to happen. If they come out and beat Dallas the next two nights and win a- one of those games in crunch time, then I'm very confident going up until the All-Star break. If they lose both, then, you know, it's still more of the same issues, and who knows when they're going to break out of it. So I'm not completely pessimistic. I think this team just needs to pull out a couple of close games, and I think they can go on a run here and get a couple games above 500 before the All-Star break. And if you're in that position, especially with some some reinforcements via trade, then you got a chance to still potentially get home court advantage. That's how close the West is. So I'm not too down on this team, but uh, they got to figure it out soon.
1: Yeah, it's still not time to panic. Uh, I know we're halfway through the season, but there's definitely been some good things. Uh, they've just been a real rough stretch here. They do play Dallas the next two games, and my guy Luka Doncic, Torrey, uh how many points does Luka average in these two games? The number has to start with a 4, right? It's got to be 4-something, 40, 41. What
0: would you put the over-under line as? The 40? I
1: mean, gotta, no, I mean, it's got to be like thirty. I mean, what does he average, 33 a game, probably 32? Yeah, I do like that. I'm putting... Uh, I, you would have to put it at like 33 and a half, 34. He averages, oh, he averages 34 a game, so you'd have to put it at 35. 35 I think five he
0: has 38 one game, and then I think he has like 25 one game. I think he
1: goes for like 40 both games.
0: Yeah, I, just, I have a feeling one of these games, he's going to struggle to hit jumpers, all right? That's my gut feeling. I don't know why, but uh, yeah, 38 and 25. We'll see how close I am. We'll have to take a look back at that.
1: Yeah, I would love to see that. I want to see GP2 garden a little bit. I think that'll be fun uh, to see how he does. There was one other thing I wanted to talk about, and that was Chauncey Billups. Um, some of his quotes after games, do they bother you as much as they bother me?
0: No. No. Why? What bo- what quotes bother you? I'll Stephen? tell
1: you what bothers me. Let me find this quote. Uh, all right. I got to pull it up on Twitter here. All right. His quote was, it's a loss, but I thought we played our ass off. We really did. We played hard. We didn't get into that slump like that we were in one game, but we're not going to get out of it in one game. I think we're going to get it in close. I'm proud of our effort. I absolutely hate that he had to say, I'm proud of our effort. That should be the last thing. Last season, last season we were just like, can they play hard? Okay, they're playing hard. Perfect. And they lose every game. They're past that. They're past playing hard. I I expect the Blazers to play hard every single game. I know that they're not going to play at their best. They're not going to make shots every game. They're not going to play great defense every game because it's the NBA season. There's ups and downs. There's ebbs and flows. But I feel like Chauncey says that after every game. Like, oh, well, at least we played hard. It's like, cool, man. How about we say something else besides the team played hard? I mean, that, that, every that's the coach one
0: speaks in cliches, right?
1: I just hate like, it. I, I hate it so much.
0: If it was to excuse something that was an issue, then i like have a is, I feel like it is, though. I feel like
1: he's excusing the... the, the the non-executing plays at the end of games by saying, oh, we were right there, we played hard, we should have won, but we didn't do it. I mean, but there's
0: there's times he says that they don't execute, but then there's times where he says, like, oh, well, at times we don't execute, but I thought tonight we actually got good shots and they didn't fall. Like, I genuinely think he's trying to be honest about just what he sees in a game, and it's like, the Blazers did play hard against that Cleveland team, so to me it's just like, oh, well, the team played hard, he's Happy that they played hard. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily something where it's like, oh, well, it was a super questionable thing or whatever. I just think that's a cliche. And um, there's times where he says something that's questionable, but then I re watch parts of the game and it's like, okay, I actually see what he's saying. Um, I wouldn't read too much into it. If he was coming out after every game and we have like 20 turnovers and he's just sitting here saying, well, we just missed shots and the other team made shots and that's just the NBA. That I'd have a problem with because it's like you're turning over the ball 20 times a game. But in the past, he's tended to point out when they're turning over the ball a lot and talk about, yeah, we got to clean up the turnovers, the execution hasn't been good or whatever. So I can handle some cliche stuff like that given that I do think he's genuinely honest and there has been press conferences where he said i need to figure this out or i need to be better as a coach and that sort of thing because the previous coach i don't know if he ever said that so uh the bar was set kind of low but i don't really have much of a problem Uh, with it
1: for the record for the record i do like chauncey uh the way he usually goes about press conferences i feel like last season he really he really leaned on the "well, we played hard and it's just like, okay, I get it because they're trying to lose. But now, like, the Blazers are actually trying to win <laughs> and make the playoffs. So, like, I think there's more to say besides they played hard. And so, yeah, I'm with you. It's just the cliche thing. It's not a big deal. I, I, I like the way Chauncey attacks the press conferences Because you're right, he does call people out sometimes. Just that one bothered me. That one yeah. bothered me after the Cavs game. After, you, after you've after you lost five straight, you blow that game in the fourth quarter, you get outscored by ten. And then all you have to say is, oh, well, we played hard. Well, okay, cool. Like, well, should have won the Steven. game.
0: Here's the thing, Steven. If you ask generic questions, you get generic answers. If you ask something Mm. specific or detailed, you're more likely to get a more specific or detailed answer.
1: Are you blaming Blazer Media? Is that (laughs) what you're doing? (laughs) I
0: am the fake media, so here I go.
1: I am part of the media. How dare
0: you? Well, get in there and ask a detailed... Hey, why don't you get out there and ask a question? Give me a media pass and then I can, and then nobody can say I'm not media, you know, I, uh,
1: give me a media pass and I will send somebody down for us because we're still doing our post game show. That's the goal, everybody, everyone in the community. I'm going to try to get Tori a media pass and have him ask Chauncey Billups a question. Let's see what question he asked. Chauncey Billups. That's the goal by the end
0: of the season, Tori. <laughs> Dude, I, I'll sit there and be like, "You should ask this and this and this," and Eric will be too, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, you you know, you know the thing though is a lot of times coaches get asked these questions like, "What do you think Top of the pl- what yeah. do you think of the play tonight?" Like, what is he supposed to say? We lost. Like, I don't know. Like. He's trying to come up with an answer for that. And if you ask him, what do you think of the play tonight? He's going to say, well, we played hard and I'm proud of that. And blah, blah, blah. it'll be a generic answer. If you ask him specifically about like, okay, it looked like you were feeding the ball down low to Nurkic a lot today. Um, was there a matchup there you liked or what was the thought process behind that? You're more likely to get a detailed answer or something like that. So that's my whole thing is is um, it's a, a lot of times it's actually about the question with him, I feel yeah.
1: like. That was uh, one of the things Chad and myself would always talk about uh, when we'd listen to the press conference live. Our favorite question was always: there was a certain person who would ask, basically after wins, they'd be like, "Oh, do you feel good that you won the game today?" Well, yeah, I feel better <laughs> that we won than lost. so I can't. I can't complain too much because I probably have a legitimate reason to get a media pass and ask questions, but I just, I just don't want to. So I don't know why it just bothered me that quote. I'm glad that you talked to me off the ledge there. Um, but with that, Tori, I think that's going to wrap it up for the day. Uh, again, appreciate all the support, comments, ratings, all that kind of stuff on YouTube, everywhere you see it. Um, catch myself at Steven underscore VON on Twitter. Follow me there. Uh, hit me up there, ask me some questions, just talk some blazers with me. Uh, you can hear me on 750 the game, Monday through Friday on the BFT, 3 to 6. I am uh, John Canzano's producer, but I have it where uh, he trusts me enough, where he lets me just turn on the mic and start talking. So, I, you know, if you give me a mic and you let me turn it on, I'm going to give it on and uh, give my takes. So hear me there. Hear me on Bet the Game also on 750 The Game. That's Saturday and Sunday. It's a weekend show. I'm on I'm on the radio seven days a week. Uh, Bet the Game 9 to 10. I'm talking betting. I, I talk Blazers on there too. So, um uh, Catch you there. Of course, catch Tori, Tory Jones YT on Twitter. Catch him at Blazers Uprise all the time, pre, post game, uh, every game for those guys. They also do videos throughout the week. Good stuff there. So Tori, uh any last things you want to add before we uh, round it out?
0: Nah, man. Good podcast. And hopefully the next time we talk, we're talking about wins.
1: That is very true. Let's hope that. And with that, I want to thank everybody once again. Stephen Vaughn, Tory Jones. I mean, come on, Blazers. Just win a game. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.